0: All right, everybody. Welcome to a hump day version of the Real Estate Radio Show podcast. We have a very special guest today, and we're going to be bringing him on in a second. That's Ilian Miranda He's going to correct me if I just butchered his name. Uh, if I did, I'm sure he will. And we're also going to bring Dylan Kramer on here in a second. Before we get started, I just want to very quickly. Uh, thank our sponsors, of course, Trusted Agent USA, trustedagentusa.com. If you want to save money buying, selling, or investing, go to trustedagentusa.com. And we're also going to thank, of course, our illustrious co-host and partner, Dylan Kramer of Benchmark Mortgage. And Dylan will get you over the finish line every time. Again, whether you are buying a, uh, <clears throat> whether you're buying your own home to occupy or whether you're an investor, Dylan will get you across the finish line every time. And of course, the last uh, but not least sponsor we want to thank is At Home Title Agents, At Home Title Service. Remember, if you're a real estate broker in Illinois and you want to be a title agent as well, check out At Home Title services and they are going to show you exactly how to do that they have virtual events pretty much every month that you could check out and see exactly how they do it having said that let's bring on our partners and co-hosts first we're going to bring on dylan kramer dylan how's it going what's going on man how are you today larry i am doing awesome let me turn my sound up so i can hear you can you hear me okay i sure can what you got me Awesome. Yeah. We're going to bring uh Ilian on right now. Ilian, is it Ilian or Ivan?
1: It's it's Ilan. Ivan is my middle name, but I go more by Ivan. My last name is Miranda Bum. Okay. So you wait. I thought you did because I saw you on
0: social media as Ivan and I saw you as How do you pronounce your first name? Ilan. I- Ilan. So um, but we're going to call you Ivan
1: because that's what you go by, right? Correct. Okay. Awesome. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I actually brought my wife with me. Uh, I, I know I, this was completely new, but I decided I bring my wife in here. She can at least Hi. drop some more points as far as um, awesome. what I had mentioned to you about awesome. real estate. She's yes. been you know she's been by my side since we started.
0: Yeah, and you guys, uh, you know, you work together. It makes sense. You don't do anything without her approval. I know that. I know how this works. I've been married for 300 years. Um, So we all know that. Um, But we have a lot to talk about because I want to really discuss with you, you know, your family's been in the roofing business for a while in Chicagoland. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. And then you yourself went into the real estate development uh, end of the real estate business, yes, yeah. Um, so let's start out just by, um, by the way, before we get going, let me just remind everybody we are streaming live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You can check us out at uh, uh the real estate radio show podcast on Facebook and you can listen and subscribe on all your favorite podcast channels, you know, whether that's, uh, or, or, uh, you know, websites, whether that is Spotify, Amazon or whatever. So, um, having said that, how long has your family been in the roofing business in Chicagoland?
1: I want to say about 25, 30 years.
0: Okay, so a long time, and do you find yourself doing more like multifamily jobs, or is that how you got into the multifamily space, or do you find yourself doing more single family or is it a combination of both?
1: We do uh more h o a we we're big on h o a uh you know properties and then obviously multifamily as well because we have uh good connections with the multifamily investors in the Chicagoland area,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So you started out with HOAs. So let's say this HOA is managing a, uh, a well, subdivision. Let's learn a little bit about of, that, Larry. What's that?
2: Let's learn something about that. I, I mean, how do, how do we get into the HOA space? Like what identified that as a good... Candidate for the roofing business. I mean, I have ideas, but I'm I'm interested to hear the story.
0: Yeah, tell tell us because I have some ideas about that too. But uh, tell us how you got into working with HOAs in terms of your roofing business, and then we're going to get right into the real estate development and, of course, you know your investment uh, portfolio, things like that.
1: No problem. So one of the the reason the way that I got into the HOA was ca- kind of like by accident. I had got in. You know, some buildings are managed by the HOA members are uh, owners of the building. Let's say a three unit, a three unit mm-hmm. in Lincoln Park, for example, in Chicago, they self-manage their, their units. So what they would do is they would ha- call, give us a call. We would go out there. I, usually what I do is I present all our uh, our, our credentials upfront. So I'll give them, for example, with the estimate, I'll give them an itemized estimate I'll give them a copy of my license, a copy of my uh, workers' comp insurance, my general liability, uh, the Better Business Bureau, you know, accredited a certificate with an A plus. I give them all that information upfront. Then I would give them, a, a, you know, obviously the price and the way we would just follow up. You know, we have a system in the office that my wife put together where they like the professionalism. So then they would go on social media on Facebook, and when someone would ask, "Hey, I'm having roof issues, who do we contact?" So they would go ahead and contact us. And slowly and surely, you know, business just started picking up where it was just kind of word of mouth. It was just like, hey, gotcha. uh, we, you know, there's there's HOA uh, uh, groups out in the Chicagoland area and nationwide where they share information. And they just started sharing our, our, our information and how professional we were. And we just grew from there. And this was probably about seven years ago.
0: That's awesome. So are you working with any, like, you know, you'll see some of these, uh, subdivisions with a hundred uh you know du dupl- uh, c- uh, condos or uh townhomes in them will you work with someone like that too where you know there's a substantial number of uh, units that would need to be re-roofed
1: correct but for the most part most roofs especially the hoas and the place, they're newer. they were you know built within the last 20 30 years so some bill, some of the rules have already been replaced for the most part. And a lot of the rules, believe it or not, when it comes to like if they have slow roofs, they're covered by the insurance company. So we see issues, we go ahead and let them know that this might be something where instead of hiring us and you know them having to come up with a special assessment. nobody is here, we need to replace the roof as a cost, 60,0 across 20 buildings.
0: Gotcha. Very interesting. And a couple the
1: process where Public, it's paid, we get the work as well, and everybody can be an insurance company. The HOA is very little, if not, which is their doctor.
0: Hey, Ivan, do me a favor. Go into. Uh... I'm sorry, what
1: was that? Well, I wanted to interject and break
0: through our office. So, it's
3: fine.
0: You guys were getting a little bit of feedback from you, and I'm wondering if that's because, uh, in if you go into settings and then into audio and just check off, um, uh, cancel echo, I think that's going to help your broadcast over here. Oh, looks like we, yeah, lost we just there. lost them. I'm thinking maybe they're on their phone. That could be, you know, at, at the end of the, yeah. I, I, or, the, you know, the, they may
2: be in a spot where they don't have enough bandwidth.
0: Yeah. Well, they're right in Chicago, so I'm sure he'll come back on. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, you, you know how
2: it can be with hotspots and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So, no, when they, so, when they join um, back up,
2: we'll, we'll roll again.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking that uh, probably they're on their cell phone, if not uh it could be that other thing but anyway no big sure. deal i'm sure uh ivan will come back on with his wife shortly here no worries. And, what do you want to uh, talk about is, right here oh there they are oh, there okay. we are sorry sorry
3: i don't know what happened we had a little bit of a
0: technical technical issue. Yeah, issue no, you ahead. guys were getting a lot of feedback and echo but it sounds a lot better yeah it's perfect Great. now we're perfect by the way i probably missed this up front but your wife's name is
3: my name is Jacqueline but you can call me Jackie
0: all right. Jackie. Okay, great. Nice to meet you, Jackie. Nice
3: to meet you um,
0: So uh yeah, so Ivan, you you guys have a really interesting story because you primarily invest in multifamily. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. And that is that primarily in the Chicagoland area, a Chicago metro, or just specifically in Chicago?
1: So we so we have our niche and in our niche. So what we do is basically what I tell investors is when whenever you're looking to invest or you're starting to invest and you're looking at it more as a as a business and as a career and wanting to grow, you want to focus on three things. One is you want to find your geographic location. So if you look at the map of wherever you're at, you have to pick an area that you can afford and that you see potential growth on there and just focus to that. Cuz what ends up happening, I run into investors where they have one property out in the suburbs, another one on the north side, another one in the hood, on the west side, wherever it might be. So -hmm. they're all over the place. So what we do is we focus geographically on the southwest side, which is uh, across four zip codes of Chicago, which is near Midway Airport. Then from there, we have a demographic. So there's different demographics within that area, but they all tend to have the same thing in common where they all want a uh, a nice unit. They're not looking for luxurious. Everybody wants a luxurious brand new unit. So we focus on just good units. Our, the name of our, our property management company is INJ Good Rentals. And that's what we focus on, just good rentals. With so that, you're
0: in that bread and butter market.
1: Correct. So with, with, with that said, when we focus on that, then it's a niche. So our niche is multifamily. Rather than doing condos, Airbnb, uh, short-term rentals, our niche is just multifamily. Anything, six units to you know 22 units. That's that's what's in our in our in our geographic location. So that's how we can buy. You know, you don't have large ac- apartment complexes in this area where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes
0: sense to really, really uh, niche down in terms of your geographic area, because sure. that's how you're going to really, really get comfortable and know what's going on. Uh, dynamically in that market in all different, you know, with everything. Correct. So I have
2: have two questions.
0: And um, the first one
2: is I always love to hear the story of how did you guys get into your first deal? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that that gives us a, it gives the people watching kind of a feel for how you kept your eyes and ears open to come into the first transaction.
1: Okay. So my first deal when I got into it was more on a flip. So it started with a flip. Uh, it was back in twenty twelve. Uh, so it was about you know 13, 11, uh, 11 years ago, give or take. Uh, was it a
0: foreclosure?
1: It was. It was a for, Uh No, it wasn't a foreclosure. Actually, this one wasn't. What this one was, it was a, an older owner who had her uh, the parent had passed away. They had it vacant for like four or five years, and I ended up purchasing it for twenty five thousand dollars. It was a a small Georgian. It was a two bedroom. One of the mistakes that I learned from it was I was, I was doing a lot of research on fix and flip at that time you had a uh, flip this house on HGTV, which is like, Hey, you know, I'm watching it. I'm excited. So I said, you know what? I got $25,000 cash to purchase, you know, this property and I have money to go ahead and put it together. I had, you know, I have, I do have, obviously because I'm in the roofing business, I do have a background in construction. So I know what the cost would be more or less
0: mm-hmm. with that
1: given. My thing is I I knew that three bedrooms sold for a lot more than two bedrooms. So I figured I'm going to add a bedroom in the basement. Well, I was completely mistaken. You know, I put the the property up on the market for 149. I had about 30 grand in it. So I didn't have a whole lot of money that I invested uh, in the rehab was 30,000. With that said, what I ended up doing is when I put it on the market as a three bedroom, you can't count any bedroom that's below grade in the basement does not count as a bedroom and homeowners don't want that. So it's got to be above first or second floor. Mm-hmm. So I had it on the market with an agent for about three, four months. And she didn't know how to communicate with me and letting me know that the reason why we weren't getting any offers, but we are getting a few viewings, was because of that. So what ended up happening is fast forward uh, about six months later, a year later, give or take, we ended up selling the property for one for 109 When we sold the property for 109 uh, that's when I learned that I need three bedrooms, not two bedrooms. So it's got to be... There's got to be a potential for me to add a third bedroom. If I pick up a two bedroom, either on the first or the second floor or the attic, if not, it's not worth buying.
0: Gotcha. And so then, you had 50, you had 55 into it. You sold it for one Oh nine. It took okay. you about three or four months to do that. You still walked away with, you know, you still made money on that deal. Oh,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't lose. I just, I learned from it more or less. You know? I yeah. From
0: it. Yeah. It's all a learning process, right? It, 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 it's fantastic.
2: So, let me ask you the next question. You you know, a lot of folks in the real estate investment space, people are out there um, selling how-tos. And really, there's a lot of reputational stuff too. People are like, oh no, don't buy in the city of Chicago. It's terrible. All the landlord rules are against you. The city's against you. It's a bad idea to buy in the city. You should be looking elsewhere. There are people who are like, I wouldn't even buy in Illinois. I would go look in Indiana. How do you guys make these four zip codes and some of the more stringent rules and regulations around landlording work for you in the multifamily space in these four city proper zip codes?
1: Do you want to answer?
3: Sure. Um, I think the best thing is to answer that in regards to every investment property that we have is that I like to look at it in regards to the management space is treating everybody for the first time and educating the tenant. If you don't educate your tenant and you don't build a good relationship with them, you're going to have a lot of issues. So over the course of years, because even though like we started mainly in 2012, but we had been investing beforehand um, and we did start off very slowly. um, My whole thing is I hear a lot of people in the real estate space. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing this for 15 years. Don't tell me anything. I know what I'm doing. For me, that just shows me that somebody is stagnant. They're not ready to grow. They're not going to evolve. Right. My technique is just that every experience that I've gone through from the beginning, which has been a lot, I can write a whole book about it. Is <laughs> What did this teach me? What do I need to add to my lease? What do I need to add to my process so that I stop experiencing this difficulty? So my lease went from like, Three pages initially, like the one that you get at Staples, right, and right. Office Max. I got that one. So now that I create my own lease, I go with my attorney. I have everything from troubleshooting problems, frequently asked questions. I ex I give them an idea of like right now with the frigid temperatures in Illinois, like what is it that they should be doing if their heater goes off? How should they be ha- handling that? How should they troubleshoot it? We're very, I'm very explanatory with my tenant because there's an assumption that the tenant's going to take care of this property as an owner. They're not, they don't have a clue. And how many times has you heard, I've experienced this, I've gone through this, nobody helped me, nobody taught me. I didn't know, I didn't know. So if you're listening to the feedback that you get from people and you don't change and evolve and change your process, to teach your tenant, how to talk to you, how to deliver things. You're not explaining them how to handle things. What are the expectations? You're not introducing the relationship how you want it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that assumption of just like, oh, well, everybody should know how to live clean. No, they don't. They don't know how to, they don't know what the difference between a sink plunger and a toilet plunger is. I mean, realistically, people don't know. They don't know when to check for hair. They don't know when to check for a filter. They don't know how long they should do a battery, check their (laughs) batteries on their smoke detectors. They don't know that they should have these basic things. So if you're not educating your tenant, you're actually failing yourself. And a lot of people don't like to take that responsibility.
0: That that is so smart. Communication (laughs) is the key to everything. Me and Dylan talk about that all the time. Between... Between our clients, between attorneys, between home inspectors, between, you know, but what you just explained is ingenious because I bet there's very few landlords out there and investors out there that include those type of things in their lease. So you're setting the stage, like you said, as to how to communicate what's important and uh, I ju- I just think that is a-, a fabulous idea. So let me ask you, with all of that in your lease, how long is your lease? Because like, uh, it, you know, if you go to a car lease, it's it's three pages, right?
3: Um, the- realistically, it's thirty two pages.
0: No. Really? Now, what kind of reaction do you get on that when you- Um,
3: Well, we set the expectation from the first time that they're, as soon as they're interested in moving forward with an application and we're gonna do that process as well as doing a background check. We let them know that if we were to move forward, these are the expectation as well. Like this is the stuff that we need from you. This is why we need this for you. And then in regards to signing a lease, they they may be, they must be in, um, in person, if not via Zoom or Google meet. Um, and we tell them that it has to be an hour because we have to go over it. We're not going to just send you a DocuSign or we're not going to just send Love you something it. to initial. We're going to make sure that you actually understand and comprehend what it stipulates. Everything from installing cable. We do not want you to install. Obviously, we're roofers. We don't want you styling a satellite dish on the roof and putting holes on the roof. We're going to talk about what is the expectation, with ComEd and people's gas. We're going to talk to you how to communicate those issues. We're going to tell you, you know, what you're responsible for as a tenant. You know, if you clog the drains and your your child stick a toothbrush in the toilet, you're responsible for this stuff because we gave this to you in working condition. Now, if it's something that is generally because of it, the, you know, it's just wear and tear or it's something that the, you know, the pipes are not working, that's something that we're responsible for. But you have to create this expectation in the very beginning. And we let people know that this must be scheduled this way. If not, we cannot move forward. I'm not going to give you keys to my unit. And I want you to make this your home. Because at the end of the day, that's what they're doing. And the thing is that we're disassociating as landlords is that this is my building. You know, why don't they understand this? You're bringing in assumptions. Mm -hmm. You have to let them know, I want you to make this apartment your home. But in making this your home, this is what you need to do to upkeep it, and this is what you need to do to communicate with me when you need my assistance. And we need to work together as a team. And so how many,
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. How many units do you guys have right now in your inventory?
1: You know, that's something that we don't like to put out there in the public, but we do okay. manage, But we do have, like you know, what I tell people is, we have our own property management office. We do have staff. It's not just us. You know, we have, you know, we have employees. As far as handyman's that are out there, uh, yeah, you know, labor. So, so without
2: naming a number, the answer is lots because you employ people full time to help you yeah. manage the portfolio, sure. yeah. and that's yeah, and that's great. it's tremendously successful, and I love what you're describing here in terms of the uh, the, the consultation with the tenants. It, yeah. it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong. What I hear you saying is you're coming in and saying, "Look, these are our responsibilities as your landlord," mm-hmm. and when you rent from us you also are going to take on responsibilities yes. and these are your responsibilities. And yeah. now you understand the trade of our responsibilities and yours and what you yeah. get for your money, as opposed to being just the man, right? Where, oh, the man doesn't take care of our place. The man doesn't give me any heat, right? Blah, 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 blah. That mindset that tenants will often have, which is bad for them, bad for your turnover and bad for your property, right?
3: Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's a a great way to start off the relationship.
3: I think you need to bring bring it into that situation because you have people making your apartment their home and they feel that they're entitled to certain things. And one of the things that I like to say, and I say it in a little bit joking way, is like, this isn't in Burger King. You're not going to have it your way. (laughs) We're not going to do this like we're not going to start off it that way but this is also not room service this is not a hotel this is an apartment you are living in here these are the things that you have to maintain like even to the point where like i tell them that they have to clean their refrigerator they have to pull it back they have to clean the coils of the refrigerator these are things that they cannot use in the case that their heater is not working they cannot use their oven to heat their unit um, there is a timing belt on that. Like, there's things of that nature. I go into do not plug. Uh, if you were to buy a little heater to warm up your unit because you want it extra warm or you want additional heat, you cannot plug a little heater into an extension cord. This will create a fire. Deep, you're you're making the assumption that these people know how to manage themselves. They don't. Yeah. Not many people are educated. I mean, even us. How many things are we learning from TikTok nowadays of how to do things or things that we've never been shown before because nobody sat down to explain things to us? So we're always making this assumption that somebody's to know and we're getting irritated. We're, how can you change that? If you don't want to have a turnover with this tenant, why are you not spending at least an hour and a half, two hours with this person so that you can have this person for years?
0: Yeah. And no, I'm going to imagine I love that, that, it's funny that you mentioned all the, that.
3: Yeah.
2: It's funny that you mentioned all the things we learned on TikTok. I learned how to make turkey stock over Thanksgiving, which I never yeah. would have thought of before, right? But now I have all this in my freezer and we're feeding ourselves while the weather's cold and all this. And it goes back to your point. Like we're all learning things that we just didn't know before. And working on the assumption, uh, it, it, it sounds, correct me if I'm wrong, because I hear this from a mindset standpoint in your conversation, i hear that you're assuming good intent on the part of your tenants and but ignorance in the true sense of the word lack of knowledge right yeah. so there's no ill intent and if you go forward with good intent and knowledge you get a better result
3: yeah definitely i mean that's what ignorance is it's not the fact that you're insulting somebody it's the fact that you the lack of not knowing so we're ignorant by assuming that they're going to know so why assume instead of just making them know. And even if they say, I know how to do that, it's fine. Just repeat yourself. It's okay. Like, yeah, okay, really well, that's smart. great that you know really, that.
2: Really but smart.
3: I'm yeah. just letting you know. And then my whole thing is too, is that a lot of people, I've heard people say, I had a great tenant. I mean, this has happened to us in the, at one point too, where we're like, we had a great tenant all of a sudden it went really sour. What did we go wrong? And then I sat down and said, well, you know what? I never requalified them. You know, I never sat down and said, get me, get updated bank statements. Let me get updated, you know, your check statements. Let me see who, let me reevaluate who's still living in this unit. Let me do a walkthrough. Let me see how you're treating my unit before I decide if I still want you. And that was another thing that I do. I do a tenant analysis. So my well, how often analysis,
0: do you do that? I was going to ask
3: that yearly, when do you no. do that. Yearly. yearly.
2: Year- So at at renewal, basically, you requalify them.
3: Yes. I not only I asked them if I cannot go to the unit, I asked them to send in pictures and videos um, and they have to send in a little form with the date so that I know it's a valid video from right now. So like they have to have like a little timestamp and I can see what the unit's conditions are. And based off of that, then if I feel that I still need to go to the unit, then I'll do my proper walkthrough at that point in time. I asked them to test the floor, test, show me the the toilet, show me the sink, show me the fridge, the stove, and they send it to me in video and it saves me a lot of time. But also at that point, I re-qualify them. I make sure that there's no changes in their job. There's no family changes. They didn't just move somebody in. Um, I make sure that I reevaluate. Was this person on time? Um, did I have any issues with them? Did I have anything so that I can actually decide, you know, is this something worth moving forward with? Mm-hmm. I'm not, we should not be forced. You know, we, we're adults now. We get to choose the relationships that we want to have with people. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> if you're not choosing the relationships that you want to have with people, you're actually doing yourself a disservice yeah that's where i come in and i just i'm more on the technical side so i have like a tendency analysis i have a pre-screen analysis i created these because this was all the stuff that was in my brain that i was doing already and i put it on paper so that this way i can teach my staff how to do that for me and then i just go in there and they kind of already have what they have to do wow and i just recap it and i initial that i approve this so that we can put it in file
0: I am so impressed with how you guys do this from the start right through to the re-evaluating yearly of the tenants that you have because what you're doing in this in the beginning really, what I'm hearing, you're just setting expectations.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, that's all you're doing.
3: And I I mean, you're gonna have some difficulty, but then that's where you just be like, hey, let's recap i understand that it's been some time and that's where like that yearly renewal you just say hey i'm just gonna send you another like if we have any updates we send them a re up you know we send them an email with all those things we set we have it as a pdf that we can send it to them via phone as Mm -hmm. well so that this way they have that list on there i also have downloaded like youtube videos that are like my favorite of how to do things And Mm -hmm. I send those over as well so that they have that. And there are a lot of my documents have hyperlinks where they can click the hyperlink and it'll take them to that video. It'll take them to that demonstration so that this way it saves me time in that process. And I, my feedback is, you know, I understand now the value of why it is to be with you guys. I understand why, you know, we should be with you. I understand why there's rental increases. They see that because they see how, Much. Not only am I improving in the building aspect because we're constantly doing like little improvements, but we're also improving our process internally too.
0: Yeah, just really impressive. And I'm looking at my phone because I wanted to make sure I hit on a couple of points with you guys. And one of them is give me a little background on the Southwest Housing Providers Group. And what exactly is that? and how does that benefit you or other investors or tenants or whatever
3: so southwest housing providers group is a group that myself ivan and and our other associate andy has created um we me and ivan invest on the southwest side as and andy does insurance on the um southwest side so what we said is we were going to a lot of networking groups and it was like hey i have this i got that and i did this and i did this and then i got that and you're like but where is the instructions? Like, what do you mean you got all this stuff? Like there was no thoroughness and it felt very um, like they were just kind of, you know, kind of just wanting praise, you know, of where they flexing. were at in flexing. Yeah. I guess you want to yeah. say that. So for me, I was just like, I wanted things to be more thorough. I wanted people to dive more deep, you know? And like I said, we watched ATDV, and it was like they weren't really showing you those hardships. They weren't really talking about that stuff. Right. So it was kind of like a no brainer. Um, we started to I started to want to do my own thing because I started going to these things and asking these hard questions. And they were just kind of kind of glimmering over that. So we met um, Mike Glasser from the MBOA, which he is an amazing president of the MBOA as well as Rogers Park Group. And he talked to Ivan, my husband, and was like, you know, you should create your own group. And my husband was like, no, it's not so much. I don't want to be the leader. I think my wife is that person because I'm the process person. And when he said, would you be open? And I did it. Um, It was literally within like three or four months that I just started pushing forward. And it was for me to have a group, a community um, for housing investors to come to get educated, to not feel that they were going to be judged based off their mistakes or the things that they didn't know how I was going to provide that support and provide a community of support to raise awareness of the things that everybody should know. I want it to be something where people can ask a question and not feel attacked, not feel like they're going to feel like they're they're being dumbed down, that I'm going to raise you up because I didn't have that. I wish I would have had a community when we first started. There were so many trials and tribulations, so many tears and frustrations that we went through. I didn't have a support. You know, and when you don't have a community, you don't have family, you don't have friends that understand you, it can be very lonely and yeah. it can be very strenuous. So why not build that for each other? And the benefit is not only my education and me, my strength, but obviously building connections, being able to build relationships with bankers and you know, other housing providers. There's things that I learn every single time we have conversations. There's something like a little token, a little nugget that mm-hmm. I'm getting from another person that I could implement in my process or a referral. For instance, like my, we had an issue, you know, cause of this cold, our, our heating guy right now is not currently in and having that community, we were able to share, um, who's your HVAC guy, who's your heating guy. Wow. And now I have 10, 15 contacts that we can contact in case of these emergencies. And that's what you need.
0: That's why to get involved in these groups, because you're going to be able to benefit from all of the other people that have these connections, whether they be attorneys, uh, like you said, HVAC guys. Um, I have a great handyman I work with that can do, you know, virtually anything and is spot on, always on time, reasonably priced. And, you know, so when you get in groups like this, this is the value of it at taking advantage of everybody else's experience and avoiding the mistakes that they made. Yeah. And so how do people, if they wanted to get involved in that group, where do you guys meet? How do they get involved in it?
3: OK, so Southwest Housing Providers, we do have our own um, web pages, www.s whpg.com. Um, we post our meetups on there. We also have it on Meetup. We also have it on Facebook. Um, and then what we tend to we generally do is every second Wednesday of the month we meet up. Um, right now our meetup is at Guidees, which is on the south side of Chicago, right in the Midway area. It's every second Wednesday from six to nine. Our next meetup is February fifteenth, because unfortunately the second Wednesday of the month is Valentine's Day, and we don't want to spoil anybody's Valentine's Day. So, we're having it February 15th, which is that Thursday. Um, And our next meetup is going to be basically, we're having CIC, we're going to have Catholic Charities, um, we're going to have them come in and talk about different rental programs programs and different programs that are out there in the city. And then we're going to have some people speak about them, how they've worked with these programs, what were the things that they can advise others on Mm -hmm. how to work with them, you know, just so that. People are a little skeptic. Why why should I go with this program? Why, you know, what are the pros? What are the cons? And what should I be prepared for it? So we're going to get some experienced um, housing investors to talk about their experience with them as well.
0: I'm curious about something. Uh, Me and Dylan have recently had conversations with some other people and they're very, very um, bullish on midterm rentals. So rentals that are typically thirty to ninety days. How do you guys feel about that? As opposed to long-term rentals, one or two yeah, years. Have
2: you looked into it at all? I guess would be really be my big question about that. Have you What's identified that? that as a market, or have you said you know that's not a place that we're in getting involved? Yeah. yeah,
1: that's not that's not a place that we're getting involved. Just like Airbnb, we leave that you know that's a whole different other business, and I think when you're trying to be all over the place, you're nowhere, you're just running around like a hamster in the wheel going around yeah, in circles or it's better just to be focused on what is it that you're doing and forget all the noise. You know, is it better to invest in Airbnb in condos, single family, you know, uh, two to one, you know, two to four unit buildings, multifamily? Every 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 asset class, it's it, you know, it comes down to where you're at and what do you want to do? Do you have the team? Can you build a team? Because not every asset class is for everybody. Yeah. So at the end, mm-hmm. is you stick to what works for you. What works for you is better. You know, you have Grant Cardone that says that you should buy thirty-three units. That should be your first deal. And then you have other investors out there saying that you should only. He also says you should your sell your
2: house and rent. So let's stop yeah. right there with that guy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: Everybody, everybody and I love Grant. But... Everybody has their own niche, and you just have to figure out what is yours. You know, right. like you right. can't. For me, like I like to say, is like, this is my train. This is our train. We build it from scratch. We build the road. We build the train. We build all the different levels. Everybody's got to build their own train and their own path of where they're going to go, what fits right for them. Like, we all don't wear the same shoes, you know? So
2: what made you guys decide this is your train? Like, where did you get into the, I I assume at the beginning, you looked at multiple, you, you had all sorts of options and said, you know, it's, it's multifamily. It's not single family. It's not, it's these four zip codes. It's not the North side or it's not Indiana or it's not Aurora or whatever. What, what, helped you kind of identify what your train
1: is? Well, what I, when I looked at the geographic location, I wanted to be since, you know, I, I wanted to be in what we call the hood, which was Inglewood. I'm like, if we can invest in Inglewood and be successful at managing Inglewood, we can manage anywhere. So then I said to myself, the next closest uh, zip codes that are a little bit better is 60629 and 60632. We'll start looking in there. So when we decided to go into the multi-family, I started realizing, is it better to do you know, one roof on a two unit or do one roof on a 12 unit? Is it better to have 12 individual furnaces or have one boiler system for the whole building where I don't have constant calls? Where is our time better spent? And, you know, making it more efficient. So for us, I'm multi multifamily is better. Having it, everything nearby for our handyman. If there's an emergency car or something that needs to be addressed, it's with all the buildings are within a 15 minute drive from each other if needed to. So right. it makes it easy for my handyman to get out there. And mm-hmm. they all have access to, you know, to the common areas or to the units if needed.
3: I also yeah. think because we grew up on the South Side, we know the South Side kind of like in and out. Right. Um, not saying that we don't know a little bit of the north side, but we're not as familiarized with the north side. And then if you think about like where you have to start, where's your starting point to invest in a property? What are you, what is going to be the profit margin? If you're going to have to, we can invest in a property for 150,000 on the south side, right? But then in the north side to start off, what's the different price point that you have to be at? You know, what's the medium price point there versus here? And what is still going to be your profit margin? What's going to be your turnaround? I'm a big numbers person. So for me, it's about doing pie charts and bar graphs. And I started doing all the numbers and I started saying, okay, well, if we invest here, how long is it going to take us to get this back versus if we're over here? And it just made more sense for us to do the South side because we can do way much more. We can grow faster than mm-hmm. being on the North side.
0: Awesome. You know, I'm interested in this uh, mixed use these two 10 unit mixed use buildings that you bought okay. uh, yeah. multi you know multi-family mixed use buildings that you bought give me the background on that and and tell me why that is a story we want people to hear
1: okay so this one it's actually one it's a one 10 unit, one. Mixed okay. unit. yeah what's a, it's a mixed use uh building it's all brick I'll give you the address it's 8311 South Racine, 60620 which is in the auburn Gresham neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, when I saw this,
0: there.
1: yeah. When I saw this property go up on the market, I didn't find it on Loopnet. I found it on the regular, it was just on the MLS on Redfin. So when I saw it on Redfin, I was like 10 units and they were asking, I think they're asking 250, 260. I can't recall exactly what they're asking for it. So I was like, let me go ahead and uh give the listing agent a call. So I don't work with any broker. Per se, just in the, you know, just independently with that broker. What I do is when we purchase something, it's either mostly it's off market. But if I do go find something on my own, I go directly with the listing broker. The reason mm-hmm. why I do that is there's a lot of benefits. Obviously, the listing broker gets the full commission uh, rather than if I had my own broker. That's one. The other thing is I'm able to get my answers, my questions answered a lot quicker when I go directly to the source who has the listing. With this property uh, itself, was the when I called her, the broker told me that she, she, they had a, um, they couldn't do a dual agency. So she can refer me to somebody else in her office or I can get my own broker. So then that's when I brought in my own broker. And what came to my attention was obviously the price. You know, for me to see a a brick building, 10 unit, mixed use for that price, I was just like, why is it? This is the way, you know, at $25,000 a door. This is a no-brainer. I don't care where you're at, you know. Yeah. So I was like, let me go check it out. So, uh, you know, no disrespect to the broker. She did the best what she could do to list it and describe it, but she missed a lot of points. So I'll run them through you. This property has two storefronts in the bottom. One of the storefronts, uh, which is a beauty shop, is uh, is uh, owned by the previous owner's um, niece. She was only paying four hundred dollars for sixteen hundred square feet. So think about it. Four hundred dollars. I mean, she rode the train for a while. We went in there. Yeah, we raised the rent. That was
2: her train, but it wasn't going to be <laughs> your train anymore. <laughs> so,
1: so, so, and and the other we had we had four or five units that were that were occupied upstairs, and the tenants were paying six hundred dollars. And these are these are uh, eight one bedrooms on the second floor. So two storefronts, one's vacant. With that said, the description didn't say what I'm about to tell you, which is going to blow your minds. The description didn't say that the building was rehabbed about 30 years ago, gutted out. So what the previous owner did, you know, at the at the time right now, she's probably like she was 75. So, you know, 30 years ago, she was in her 30s or so, 45. 45. So they ended up gutting out the entire building. They ended up putting new 5-H drywall throughout. It had new breaker boxes with all the electrical with conduit run to each unit. So each unit had their own conduit box, electrical panel. Each unit had their own hot water tank. These are one bedrooms. So they have 30 gallon hot water tanks in the kitchen. So it's one bedroom. You don't need a huge tank. They have the 30 little small, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're 30 gallons. They all have their own individual furnace. So to me, when I walked in there and I looked, I was like, this is a no brainer. All it is, is just cosmetic. It's like putting lipstick on a pig. You just got to scrape, paint and you're going to have a new product. Now, yes. the tenants that were in place, we wanted to communicate with them when we acquired the property and let them know that we were not going to raise the rents. We we're not going to kick them out, but we didn't expect them to pay the rent. And we let them know, listen, we're going to remodel these units that we have vacant right now, these three units. If you want to rent one of the units, it's going to be $1,100 because we're going to bring them up to today's standards. Their units are okay. They're not even in my standards good, but they're okay. You know for the 600 bucks that they're paying with Mm -hmm. that said we know when I when we did the property and obviously we purchased it my whole goal is it's outside of my geographic location it's not within it is within my niche as far as multi so it's I bought it for the purpose of fixing it putting it together and then putting it back on the market so I'm going to distribute I'm going to put it I'm going to put it up in the market probably come March March and uh you know I'm going to probably sell it somewhere I don't have all the numbers in front of me right now of where we're going to be at because we're running out three of the units that we're just finishing up. So I'm looking somewhere between 600 and 650, which is going to leave a lot of meat on the bone for the next person to come in and yeah. remodel the five one bedrooms and rent right. out the storefront.
0: Yeah, amazing. What a deal. That is crazy. Now, but let me ask you something that uh, there was a beauty shop which was operated by the niece of the former owner. Correct. He was paying nothing, she was paying, you know. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Was the other retail space rented out, or is it rented out now?
1: No, we are gonna about to put it up for rent. So we're just gonna make it straight vanilla. It's like a vanilla box, you know, built to suit. I'm not gonna do much other than just paint the floors. You know, they, it's got plywood right now. I'm like, I'm gonna paint the floors. I'm not gonna put any LTV flooring. I'm not gonna. I'm fixing the drop ceiling. Put the tiles that need to be fixed that are loose. I'm gonna let it be for the next person. Build whatever you want. I'm giving it to you as a shell. And our goal is because it's because in the neighborhood that it's in, there's not a whole lot of commercial there. We're going to make it attractive where we'll rent it out for 500 bucks, uh, set up a lease for a year and then then do the increase at maybe 12, 1300. This gives that the new business owner the opportunity to get involved, get, you know, get into the business, open up the make shop, his
0: own decision, make
1: his own decision. And if he's profitable, he'll be able to refund, you know, uh, renew with us at twelve hundred come the following year, but we wanna make sure we give them that expectation. We'll rent it out to you for 500 right now, but with the expectation that yeah. come the, you the know, the lease, the, the, the lease, once the lease expires, we'll go to 1200 bucks, you know, we'll charge a dollar a foot. This and is it's to, to help
3: ho- you get your footings in your business. Right. You know, we, not everybody has to do that. So it's mm-hmm. just like where this is contingency, where it's like, you're gonna get this for this time. We're gonna help, you can make this, you know, this blank space kind of like your own, but to help you get their foot off the ground once your foot is off the ground and you like this space, well, you know, you've made your profits, you've done what you got to do. This is the contingency that, you know, you knew that this was the expectation coming in. And it's about creating those expectations right off the the bat so that this way there is no surprise later.
1: And one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Larry, real quick is what happens with a lot of investors who have mixed use properties across the city, Southwest side, where there's not a whole lot of commercial is that they want to get top dollar for those storefronts. And they will let them go vacant for six, eight, 12, two, 24 months, 36 months. They'll let them go vacant for years because they're stuck on, I used to have a tenant that was paying me a dollar a square foot, you know, for this 1200 square foot, uh, you know, unit for 1200 bucks, rather than saying, I just want to get somebody in there, fill in that space. I'd rather take in some money, give somebody the opportunity To start their business and hopefully it flourishes so that that way they can stick with stay with me for years if not for decades making
0: zero for 18 months is a bad
2: business model in my
1: opinion i agree
0: yeah yeah I think, you know, I love that because you're giving, you're leaving some meat on the bone for the person that's going to buy that place. And we know that those other apartments that you're not remodeling at some point are no longer going to be $500 a month. Correct. So somebody's going to walk into a nice little situation there and you're going to walk out having done quite well with that property.
2: And so it's
1: so, correct. That's a win-win for everybody. You know, right. win-win think- for everybody. Correct. That's all I do. Done.
2: I do like your philosophy where you're like, look, I, you know, you can make a lot of, you know, you can make a lot of money, but you don't have to make all the money, and exactly. it makes yeah. a deal that, yes. that 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 money 100%. left behind, that meat on the bone, that you say lubricates the transaction, so to speak, because it makes it appetizing for more than just, uh, you know, too many people worry about it's got to be perfect, right? Now you right. got to find a perfect buyer. You just got to find somebody who's like good enough and has a good enough and thinks that your deal is good enough for them to do the transaction, book your profits and move on. Sees the
0: potential and gets the deal. Yeah. So before we get into, I want to get into that single family home you purchased with two bedrooms, added another bedroom, which I a hundred percent agree with you on in terms of three bedrooms, two bedrooms and all that. But, and you might not want to answer this question but I'll ask it anyway. Um what how how does your inventory break out? Like do you do more it sounds like you're more into the buy and hold and rent than you are into flipping properties and that type of thing.
1: So I would say 95% is just hold multifamily rentals and then the 5% is flips. So I do do flips right now I'm working on one. I try to do three flips a year. So I've done about 30 flips in the last 10 years. Okay. I, try so to do, to honest, I don't try to do too many. It's just because flipping, you know, flipping is is also a business, but it's more of a job. You got to constantly find the deal. You got to constantly, you know, you're just constantly working yeah. and putting it together. Uh, you know, and I always tell people, you make your money when you buy. Uh, you know, obviously when you sell is when you get the reward, but you make your money on the buy. And you need to know what's worth buying and know the location. And most of the properties that I've uh, flipped are in the same area. They're, you know, the same zip code 60629 and 60632. Uh, uh,
0: Interesting. So let's get into this uh, single family home you bought. And it had two bedrooms, you added a third bedroom, and you purchased the house for $75,000, if I'm reading this correctly. Correct. Oh, wait a second here. And you you invested $1,000,
3: which is yep. obviously
0: not a lot of money, in building uh, – well, go ahead. You tell the story. I don't want to
1: read your email. Tell the story. So Okay. So with this one, when I first sold that flip, my very first flip, uh, I had sold it, and about a month later, I ran into this listing. This was a foreclosure, and it was uh, listed by a well-known – a broker uh, that was out of Berwyn. And for whatever reason, he got into into the REO, uh, got connected with the REO. So he had a lot of big uh, um, foreclosure properties. Mm-hmm. When I looked at the, he was asking 75,000 for it. Uh, originally, I think it was like 90 and then he lowered it down to 75. It was on the market for like 60 days. When I looked on the MLS and when I looked on Redfin and I looked at the listing, it said that it was a two bedroom. And in that two bedroom, one of the bedrooms measured 12 by 15. And then the other bedroom measured 22 by 12, and it had a finished basement with another bedroom downstairs. But like we said, bedrooms don't count downstairs. But he did have it listed as a two-bedroom. It had been remodeled about five, six years before the before the foreclosure. You know, before the 2008, before the you know the disaster that happened uh, with you know with real estate. So I was like, I'm curious about this 12 by 22 unit. 12 by 22 foot um, bedroom. bedroom, this must be in the master. I can probably go in there and make two 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 bedrooms out of it. You know, I'll make an additional bedroom. How so many I bathrooms had, were yeah, in yeah, the place? They had one, it had one bathroom. So well, I two, one and a half
3: in a downstairs Yeah, and had they half. had one in
1: the basement. So when I went to go view it, I, you know, put my poker face up and we're walking it. I open up the door to this 22 by 12 uh, um, uh, bedroom. bedroom size and it has one switch on the right side with a door and it has a light switch. But then I noticed that it has a closet to the left. And on the opposite side, it has a door and it has a closet and it has a switch. So there's two light switches. And right down the middle, you can see that at one point there was a wall there and they had tied it together. And you can see that somebody came in and tied them together and then redid the flooring. He did mention at one time there was a, a, a room here. You can put up a wall. You know, there was a wall here. You can put up a wall and now you have three bedrooms. And I was like, yeah, you know what? But they're going to be really tiny. I kind of like Brushed it off. I put my poker face. So I tried to negotiate with him. Like at sixty thousand, he wasn't taking it. So I ended up picking it up for seventy five. Kitchen had granite countertops.
0: Was it and a Fannie Mae deal, or was it a, a deal like a Fannie or Freddie deal, or was it owned by Chase or? I
1: think it was a Fannie Mae, but it was where you know how you have the thirty day period at that time. It had oh yeah, expired. Yeah. So it Owner went out to. Yeah, it went. It went. It was open to investors by that time. But everybody was looking at two bedrooms. Any any real estate investor that was flipping properties knew that that wasn't a deal for them because it was only a two-bedroom. They weren't looking at the fine print. Mm-hmm. And that's when I looked at the fine print about the me- me- uh, the measurements of the bedrooms when a light bulb went on. And I said, I got to go look at it. And that's all I, I, honestly, that's all I did. I just basically built well, the wall. That,
3: and then we painted the kitchen with our spare paint that we had because the kitchen was this really bright neon yellow. So we just <laughs> kind of, we blended it out. And then I went in there and staged it. We just did a really good cleaning, maybe some touch-up paint in some areas. But it was just that one kitchen that was just really ugly. Um, And then the living room as well needed a touch-up paint because it was still like a greenish color. So it had Mm -hmm. these very bright colors. But all the paint that we had, we didn't buy it. We already had it left over from all of the rental properties. So we didn't have to buy none of that. So we just painted in certain areas that needed it because they had a bright color in there. He added that wall. We just cleaned that up. There was a closet that side. There was a closet that side, and we were done.
0: Yeah, there was. Uh, you bought it for seventy-five. How much did you end up putting into it total?
1: Literally a thousand, a thousand dollars.
0: Unbelievable. We, everything everything yeah.
3: else we had, we already we we had left over. We yeah. didn't have to purchase. It was anything. just.
1: It was just no. that wall. It was just that wall that we added there. Amazing. Added electric to both sides. I mean, what's you know? It costed me what's four sheets, say six sheets of drywall. Somebody yeah. some taping some baseboard, some shoe molding. And some paint. That's all it was. And the and remember, the kitchen, the bathroom was already remodeled. Both mm-hmm. bathrooms were remodeled. The kitchen had granite countertop. At the time, that's what was in granite. It had yeah. newer, newer, not new, but newer cabinets. They had left the stainless steel stove, stainless steel refrigerator there. I added it as a package when I put it up for sale. Yeah. And, you know, that was the first we time. we just did buyers. a
3: deep cleaning and just painted the ugly neon colors and we were good.
0: <laughs> you know, nope. Dylan always says, before Dylan jumps in real yeah. quick, He always, he didn't make this up, but he always says this, the devil is in the details one way or the other. You got to look and dig and dive deep because that's how that, that property got you on board. You got, you have to do that. You got to get your eyes on the ground and and see what's up over there.
2: I I, I think two things, Larry, that I want to just kind of point out, and maybe we can talk about them a little bit. I don't know that they're specifically questions, so I apologize because I normally, like to do more questioning. But the first one is to to your point, like we're doing a transaction now that we are lifted from another lender. This borrower was told three times, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. You got to have the seller make this change to the sales contract. And we just went and took the actual contract to our underwriter and read the Fannie Mae guidelines and got that loan approved. And, And that's what you're seeing here. If you actually read what's going on, then you can really get a lot of leverage in life generally. And I think that's a great lesson here. But I think the other thing is that it sounds, Ivan, you tell me if you're wrong, and, and Jackie, you might have an opinion too. You guys just keep showing up every day. And every now and you're looking to hit singles, right? We're going to score these properties. We're going to rent these out. we're going to. You're not looking to turn around and hit a grand slam every time you do a deal. But every now and again, because you keep stepping up, something turns into a home run for you and, and you win, and you win big like this transaction here. True or not true?
1: Very, very true. And you know, we have had issues with other properties where it took us a little while to stabilize them. We were hoping to stabilize them, say within a month or two months of, of acquiring the property, but it might be taking us like, right now, we're working on a six unit building where we bought back in October of 2022. And we ran into some evictions. Three evictions uh, in the out of the six units. Three of them we ended up evicting them. And it took uh, up to six, seven months to finally evict all three tenants. We had no idea. We kind of thought that we were gonna have issues with them, but we had no idea. But not to this point. And we're finally finished. We just now we finally we just finished the two two of the units that were vacant that we were remodeling. Just because we had so much so much other remodeling going around, like we'll push these towards the winter. We just finished them or we're going to put them on the market and we should start basically uh out of the six units four of the units have already been turned by us when i say turn we went in there we did whatever remodeling we needed to do we use the same color schemes uh for our units it's either gray or tan same manufacturer same brand same finish same colors so all we do is whatever's left over goes to the next unit when that unit mm-hmm. turns over again let's say in two years or three years all it is for us is touch-ups. Boom. So while it yeah. might take me, it might take me 20 to 30 days to turn each unit. After that, it's only going to take me two okay. days or an hour of just touching up because we're using everything is the same. I go with LED lights. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I do LED lights yeah. instead of the regular globe lights, which are regular light bulbs. Where what happens with tenants is when those light bulbs go out, they have to t- unscrew that little screw from the from the globe. They take down the and then globe. Then the globe falls. It falls, and they and never breaks. put it together, and they never put it back in there. You get the unit, and it's missing, and I'm like, no, let's use LED. For- they
0: put it back in there if they talk to Jackie. <laughs> oh,
3: I'm, I'm the mean one. He's a nice one. I'm the one. nice one. <laughs> He's a nice one. Everybody likes him because I'm nice, but I'm not nice at the same time. I'm very and very stern. Hey, listen,
0: like I said, you're setting expectations.
3: There's you know, nothing Jackie, wrong you with little,
0: that. Jackie sounds a little bit like my
2: wife. <laughs> I'm nice. As long as you do it my way.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I'm Ferdinand the bull. Like I'm very nice. I'm in my thing. But when you do something wrong and you messed with me, you deserve the backlash that I got to you. And I'm not the type of person that I'm not Willy Wonka. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you that you messed up. And I want, we're adults. Like we need to be able to keep people accountable. And if somebody messes up, you need to tell them, no, you broke that window. You got to pay for it. Where this one would be like, it's okay. And I'm like, okay, do you, I don't like missing out $400 out of our budget right. because they got into a fight and didn't know how to control their temper. Like at the end of the day, that starts to eat at your profit margins. That starts to eat at the other projects that you need to do. So like, no, I love you, it. You I love it. Do that.
0: You yeah. I mean, you, you're direct. Dollars. I'm here for all direct. And I think at the end of the day, tenants appreciate that if they rent from you guys, they know exactly what's expected of them. Yeah. They know exactly what you're going to do. And it sets that, it sets that tone. Now yeah. I know Ivan has no poker face that you, you don't already see through. So <laughs> yeah. I forget about ever doing that with Jackie, but, um, you guys also have a, uh, you have a group online. I don't know if it's your group or not, but I know you're yeah. extremely. Is it your group? Yes. Okay. So there's about 2,900 members, 2,500 members here, something like that. Uh, the, is it called the uh, Chicago Friendly Landlord Group? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we
3: created that essentially before we created Southwest mm-hmm. Housing Providers. Um, obviously every, we always post about all of our meetups that are Southwest housing providers, but Chicago friendly landlord is a free forum for everybody that's in Chicago land and anybody anywhere else too, because all the information there could be useful for anybody, but it's to create a friendly aspect where everybody can communicate. It doesn't feel, um, it's just, just free information and get people to network, communicate and teach people how to do the right thing. Southwest is what we we want you to become members. Um, we do charge for our meetups. Um, not everything is free. Obviously, we're a non profit We have a lot of things going on with that. We have a lot of uh, great speakers. But Chicago Friendly Landlord is where the communication starts. And then, obviously, we welcome you to come to our meetups as well. So they help each other. But yeah. that was the basis of creating is that was our first standpoint was to create something friendly. For everybody in Chicago land and area. We
1: what we wanted is we wanted somewhere for the landlords to go and find resources, ask for help, find other like-minded individuals. And what we decided to do with the group is avoid any advertising where you know there's a lot of scammers out there, there's a lot of stuff out there that's just a bunch of noise. And I'm like, it needs to be a group. If it's going to be about landlording, it has to do with landlording. And if okay. somebody asks for a a a, lend, a lender, let's say somebody's asking, Hey, I need a lender. In the Chicago land area, anybody that's a lender is welcome to post, you know, a, a comment. comment. Comment their information on the post, but we don't want to post just to be about lending, because then I'm going to have everybody wanting to target all the landlords, and then it just becomes a bunch of noise where the group is no longer about landlording. now it's about advertising.
3: It's about every HVAC and every handyman and every banker and everything and every, and how many real estate agents and all that stuff. So we want it to be where somebody needs that they can post it and everybody else can comment and they get to choose who they want. But we don't want it to be like this consistent advertising segment. We want it to be where it's just them just saying, Hey, what should I do? What's my advice? This is my problem. What, What, where can I learn from somebody else, which essentially Southwest is doing that, but we're in person and we're live. We're in, you know, we do our monthly meetups and then we have our bigger events as well. We have our holiday party, we have our summer mixer. So we're more, um, we do have it online, but we're more in person. And Mm -hmm. then Chicago Friendly Landlord is the communication, the social media aspect of everything.
0: I love it. I love that group. I mean, I get a lot of great information out of that group. And I would encourage anybody that's into investing in multi-unit buildings and investing in general, get on that group and listen to shows like this. And network, 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 that whether, I don't care how long you've been doing this, or, you know, if you're just getting started, networking is the key to all of this, I think, is learning and not being the smartest person in the room. Exactly.
3: I I mean, you learn from somebody, even just learning from somebody's mistakes. I mean, you're learning from somebody's hiccups. You're learning from what that person did wrong. You're learning something. Or you're just meeting people that you can have something in common with, you know, it's nice to know that you're having a conversation and the other person grazing across the room comprehends where you're coming from. So I think it's just a really nice thing to that we created because we wish that we had it when we started off. But we're also we love the relationships that we're forming. We love the fact that we're learning from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, We're building all that aspects. It's just really a really nice community that we really wanted to build for Chicago. And Chicago has this bad connotation that we're kind of like really rough around the edges and a little like mean. So we wanted to bring the, we are some friendly people in Chicago. So let's <laughs> we just know. We're, we're friendly, friendly, yeah. friendly yeah. In in the there.
0: country. Go to Philadelphia and compare us. Then, then you'll know.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sure. We're not as mean as it may seem. And yeah, we have a lot of rules in Chicago. But I think there's a way where like for every, every challenge, there's a solution. You know, yeah. so it's about finding not just sticking on the issue because Chicago does have a lot of rules and laws, but there's a way to get around them. There's a way mm-hmm. that we can build a community. There's a way you could build a process. You just have a little bit, a little bit, it's a little bit rougher, but like once you deal with it and you learn about it, it becomes one, two, three.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, before we wrap up, I want to give everybody a chance again, just to know how to get involved in the Southwest group. So one more time, just give everybody, you know, how they get in touch with you, how sure. they get involved with that group. And
3: so Southwest Housing Providers were on Facebook, Southwest Housing Providers Group. We also have our website, wswhpg.com. Um, which is our Southwest Housing Providers uh, webpage where you can see all our most recent meetups. You can see pictures from our past meetups. If you want to become a member, it's a hundred dollars for members and it's 250 for any service provider membership. Meaning if you're an attorney, a mortgage lender, anybody, you get discounts. In regards. To, yeah. Every, you get discounts in regards to all of our meetups, you get member exclusive, you get member exclusive information. Um, and then that's all of our in live in person meetups as well. So I'll give you like an example. Like we just had one with Fritz Kagey. It was $45 if you were a non member and $30 if you're a member. So the savings mm-hmm. is pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our regular meetups are like $15 if you're not a member now. And if you're a member, you don't pay nothing. So that's- yeah,
0: that's very reasonable. Yeah. Very reasonable for a lot of great information. Dylan, you got anything else for Ivan and Jackie?
2: No, except that I've really enjoyed this hour. I would love to have, I have you guys to... on again. I feel like oh. we've just scratched the surface of this. So uh, really? At some point in the not-so-distant future, let's have you back and do this again. But I, yeah. I really applaud what you guys have done here, and I think that it's helpful to
0: the folks that watch us every week.
2: Yeah, An well, hour
0: can... goes by so fast. We talk yeah, about this every your week. Time. You know, I have, like – I could I could talk to you guys for three hours, you know, but <laughs> yeah. what are we going to do? Listen, well, like you... the
3: next time that we come on, maybe we could touch base on how we like to call me and Ivan. We like to take things from Fuchi to Gucci. Uh, that's a little thing that I like to nice. say, something from ugly, you know, and make it a little yeah. fun.
0: Well, we'll definitely schedule another one to have you guys on because I love your energy. You guys make an amazing team. And, uh, I, I wish you all the best in the future and we'll be in touch. All right, Thank you so much. We appreciate you guys. All right, you you guys. guys. Talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Talk to you.
0: Yeah. So guys, that was Ivan and Jackie. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they just, uh, Dylan, they offer so much. Larry, it's, it's
2: fantastic. I, I, and I, you know, I want to be respectful of everybody's time since we're closing in on an hour 10. Um, so let, let's do a dive on Saturday on the radio show. Let's remind everybody we're going to be on WCPT as well as the podcast platform here on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We'll kind of recap this conversation and then have another conversation uh, about real estate and full contact real estate uh, on Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, remember, guys, on Saturday, you can call us at 773-763-9278. You can text us at that number on Saturdays. We're live, on, like Dylan said, on WCPT 820 AM. And we're also streaming live on Facebook, YouTube. Wherever you're watching us right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wherever you want
0: to go. Um, so Dylan, awesome talking to you, bud. I'll talk to you again, obviously this week soon. And, uh, you guys, we are now going to close this show down. Love you guys. And we'll see you again on Saturday. All right. Take care, Larry. Yeah. All right, everybody. So uh, thanks again for joining us. We really, really appreciate you guys uh, coming on board and you know just listening and getting all of this great information from the guests that we have. If you have any questions regarding real estate investing, it, it doesn't matter what it is, feel free to give me a call directly at 630-921-0611. And if you'd like to... Uh, get the book I recently wrote the top tens of real estate just again, just text book to six three zero nine two one zero six one one. I'll send you the book for free. until then we will see you guys soon and take care of yourselves.
2: Thanks for joining us on Real Estate Radio with your host, Larry Shackman, the real estate therapist and top producing broker. Now go to trustedagentusa.com and save thousands when you sell, buy or invest. Illinois license number 475 145 Tune in next week for the ultimate real estate radio
0: experience.